Welcome to Scoop and Scale, where we dish up the science and weigh facts about mostly equine nutrition. I'm Michelle Anderson. I spent two decades working in equine media, and I currently create content and help veterinarians and businesses connect with horse owners through my consulting business, Cadence Marketing and Media. I'm a trail rider, dressage rider, and an at-home horse keeper. And I'm equine nutrition consultant, Dr. Claire Tunis of Clarity Equine Nutrition. I develop diet plans for horses ranging from metabolic seniors to Olympic athletes. I also consult for equine nutrition companies. I'm a scientist, dressage rider, and a pony club mom. Claire and I collaborated for years when I was the editor of an equine publication, and she was one of our regular contributors. We'd finish work, but we always had more to talk about. New products, new research, and our own horses. This podcast is an extension of those conversations. It's for anyone who wants to make better choices when it comes to feeding and caring for their own horses. And before we get started, a quick disclaimer. The information in this podcast is general and not meant to replace the individualized advice of your own qualified equine nutritionist or veterinarian. While I have a PhD in nutrition, I'm not a veterinarian and can't give medical advice. With that, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the following episode. So for this episode, Claire and I decided we wanted to do something a little different. We are obviously horse people and we have a lot of our own favorite things that we use for our horses and in our barns. It's holiday shopping season, so these might be some good ideas for gifts coming up. Maybe you can hit some Black Friday sales for some of these. I want to be clear, nothing on this podcast is sponsored. We haven't talked to anyone who has these products, any retailers or manufacturers. They don't know we're going to be talking about them. This is truly like our favorite things around our barns. So we're going to try to hit on a bunch of different price points and tell you why we like these things. And already in our prep for this episode, Claire's mentioned a couple things that I really need to check out. So I hope that our listeners are excited too. So Claire, do you want to get started? Sure. Well, as the nutritionist, I probably should start off with some nutrition things, right? Yeah, yeah. it is a nutrition podcast. (laughs) It is. And so some of these are, this one in particular, this is a favorite thing of mine because it really helps some of my clients who otherwise can find themselves in some pretty tricky situations. So this is the iFeed automatic feeder. And it was created by a wonderful Danish family. Originally, he was a pork producer. And then his son took the invention and kind of created it for horses. But there are a number of different automatic feeders out there. What I particularly like about the iFeed is not only can you tell it when you want to feed, you can tell it how much you want to feed at those feedings. And it doesn't just dump it all at one time. It just dumps like a handful at a time. And you can put regular small pellets in it and you can put sweet feed in it as well. So it's a great option for barns maybe that feed. You know, I have a lot of people that their boarding facilities feed at like three in the afternoon. They don't feed again till seven at night. And they're worried about their horses going all night with no forage. And so they load these things up and program them to drop pellets throughout the night. You can really simulate grazing with these things. I mean, the number of drops you can do is ridiculous. It's really high. Super nice company. And they will pre-program the feeder for you before you send it out. If you give them a call, they're really, really nice people. The other people I find use it for horses with ulcers post-colic surgery where, you know, your veterinary surgeon has told you that you need to be feeding at like every two hours around the clock. And that gets really old after like three days. So these things can really be a lifesaver. So that's one of my favorite things for people that need that kind of help. And so Claire, you got to put this on your favorite thing list and it's not on mine because 
it was your idea to begin with because you're the one who convinced me to get these. And I can't remember how many years ago I got them, but I've had them for a long time and I really do love them. And you're right, the company, they're just super nice people. I don't use them for lots of frequent feedings, but I use them to pre-feed my ration balancer in the morning so that the horses, like this morning, they get fed before I'm out there to fill their hay for them and move them outside for the day. That's a good so, idea. Yeah. And so, you don't have to get out of bed any earlier to go I do don't that to, when it's I, cold outside. No, no. And it just, it saves me that extra trip because otherwise yeah, I'd have to go out, feed them their supplement and then go back out and whatever. They're ready to go. And then it dumps the feed for their evening feeding too. Nice. I have a couple things that I add, but I really do. It's just, and it's very precise. And so this is the thing I found with it is that I saved money on my ration balancer because it, feeds them exactly how much they need and not mm-hmm. how much I'm eyeballing. And when you're talking about such a small portion right. that you're feeding, a little bit goes a long way. You know, it's really right. dense and it's a little bit more expensive than you. Know, so that has been really great. My small horse who only gets a small amount really mm-hmm. gets her small amount. And then it keeps me from feeling guilty and wanting to feed her more. She looks at yeah. the guys and wants more from me. The nice thing about them is, is their smallest controller can do up to eight stalls. And they have bigger ones than that. And because you can f- make each feeder feed a different amount, you can feed all like eight or more horses or whatever, or just one horse, say at like 6 a.m., each individual feeder will feed a different amount of food. Mm-hmm. So you yes. can do that. And I've been in a barn where I actually stayed in the like groom's accommodation and there was one horse in that barn that had a feeder and none of the others did. And he got fed and he knew he was going to get fed. None of the other horses knew that he was being fed. Now, he was primed to the where, 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 where sound of the rotor turning. And he was like, oh, it's coming, it's coming. But that noise didn't mean anything to anybody else in the barn. There was no behavioral association to that noise. They all just stood there happy as clams while he was eating his grain and they had no clue he was eating. So you don't get all the door clanging that you get sometimes. No, and it's not super loud either. There is a sound, but that does help habituate them so they know what's coming. Because the first couple of times they're like, what is that noise? And where's the person? And they don't get it. They're like, why (laughs) Why is showing up? But once they know what it is, it's like they stand waiting for for it delivered. So anyway, yes, that's an excellent one. So I'm going to stay on that theme. We'll stick with the nutrition to start out with. So sounds good. Yeah. So I have two slow feeders that I like for hay for a little bit different reasons or uses. So I really love the hay pillows. They're super durable, I found. They're easy. You unzip them. If you get the small, like we call them the cowgirl bales of hay around here, but they're the a little bit smaller bales that the flakes fit right in and then you zip them up. They are canvas with a net on top and the horses can eat from the ground with them. With that said, your horse cannot have shoes. Your horse has to be barefoot because otherwise right. they would paw and get their foot caught. And they do become a big toy for some horses. <laughs> so, and I have one horse in particular who will try to steal from her neighbor. So mm-hmm. she'll, you know, it would be fun to put a security camera because I almost think he like, he must offer it to her through the fence and then she pulls <laughs> and it's like without fail, you know, it's pulled like halfway through the fence. So it's a big game for them. A challenge with it, as much as I love this product, is I did have a horse who was a hay dunker. And so he, when I used them out and turn out, he would put that, I'd be like, where is the pillow? 
it was in the trough. So oh, gosh. He was trying to dunk his hay pillow in because he liked to dunk his hay. But it's a really great product. I have a funny stealing hay net story. You would not believe it if, you didn't, if it had not been on video. But my good friend, she's got barefoot horses, uses hay nets loose on the ground. And she lost a hay net. It vanished. Came out in the morning. It was gone. So she went back through her security camera footage and a coyote had taken it. Oh, yeah. She has some very playful young coyotes near her house. And then they came back and they took another one. <laughs> and so she's lost two of them. She's looked all through the wash near her house trying to find them and they've gone. And she actually has video footage of it, like pulling it out of the thing and then rushing off with it. It's kind of cute, except for it's, they're not cheap. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not who I would suspect. With right? A hay net at all. Yeah, no. So the second slow feeder that I like, and it's for when I do have to have horses in shoes, and that is a savvy feeder. And it is a feeder that is hard-sided. They feed from the ground. And you flip it over and you pull a pin and you slide out the bottom and you put the hay in. Like the hay pillow, super easy to load. You stack your hay in there. I think it's about 20 pounds that you can fit in. And so then lock it up and flip it back over. And I have a horse who treats it like she's a circus elephant and stands on top of it. And they do look like a pedestal, right? They're kind of like, they're like cubes, but they're narrower on the top than they are on the bottom. And I don't remember my geometry. Is that a trapezoid? I don't remember what that is. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, they're kind of like that. And they do look like a little pedestal. Yeah. And she stands on it. And I've had them for years. I've never had one break. They do sell replacement parts. I've never had a horse, even with shoes, get stuck in them in a way that resulted in anything bad. That is the biggest challenge with slow feeders. For right. My biggest fear is having a horse, either its feet, its legs, or its head and neck getting stuck in a slow feeder, depending on how it's attached to something. And so this never had any problems with. Super durable. The thing about both like, the hay pillow and the savvy feeder that I think is really neat and a couple of the other products I'm going to talk about is it's horsewomen who had a problem and they mm. wanted to fix it. And they took the time and they really thought about it. And it's a major investment to create a prototype and have something produced yeah. in your business. And so I'm just really impressed with both of those products and the women who created those for those reasons. So check it out. I do the hay pillows for certain things, the savvy for other things. Yeah. The savvy is better in the wet weather because the hay pillows will get wet. Right. The hay pillows don't clank around when the horses play with them. When I put the savvies in the stalls and runs overnight, I did have a neighbor who was like, what's wrong with your horses at two in the morning? <laughs> so <laughs> I yeah. had the same playful one who pulls them through the fence mm-hmm. and she would bang around on them. So, but anyway, they're very complimentary, really like both products. So. I have a little bit of a tangent, but I feel like I should share it with our listeners, getting caught in hay net thing, which I would not have thought about. But if you have, it was actually with a fly sheet and those tea buckles where you put a little metal tea through the female end, you know, you need to buckle it up on the front. It's not a traditional buckle. Uh-huh. And it got through the netting. Luckily, it was only a fly sheet. So the fly sheet ripped. Yeah. But really think about what your blanket buckles is. We're heading into winter, what your blanket buckles can get caught on. And a little public service announcement reminder that if you have snap buckles on your blankets to snap them in, not out. Because those can get caught on hay nets, you know, if you're hanging hay nets really easily. And stall guards. Stall guards, yes. I think we both have a friend whose horse got caught in a stall guard with their front of their blanket. So, yeah, that's a challenging one because like having horses at a barn, 
where you're doing lots of them, like your fingers are cold and those snaps are so much easier than the old buckles. I've actually gone back to, I buy the, yes, they're usually cheaper blankets with the traditional, like you have to thread and buckle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Snap. So yeah, no, super good point on that. You have to be very, very careful. Buckle safety. Yeah. Yeah. And hay net safety. So I'm going to give some websites. So the heypillow.com for the hay pillow and then savvyhorseproducts.com for the savvy feeder. The iFeeder is our iFeedNaturally.com. And then my other hay slow feedery thing that I love, just to kind of expand on the ones you've shared, is I really like hay bowls. These are like multi-sided bowls, basically, with holes in. And they have a screw cap on one side. And you stuff them full of hay and screw the lid back on and give it to the horse. And they can roll them around and eat their hay out of the holes. And so it's nice because it's a little bit interactive Pony's a bit of a busy body, and so it kind of gives him something mentally to do where he's actually it's almost like foraging behavior when he has to roll it around. And I will say, I did mess up one night. Poor guy, I felt terrible. I thought I was being super generous, and I stuffed it absolutely full of hay. If you stuff them too full, the hay can't move around inside of them. So I came out the next morning, and he had every hole had a little divot where he had eaten the hay out and he hadn't been able to eat all the hay because it was so stuffed full that the hay couldn't move to then move to a different hole for him to eat it out of that hole. And so he'd actually been quite hungry all night, poor guy. So yes, don't fill them absolutely chock-a-block. Like just leave a little bit of room so that the hay inside can fall around and go to the other side of the thing. But they're great. And if you've got a busybody, mentally active horse, they quite enjoy those very indestructible. A friend borrowed it for her youngster and he was throwing it around like a toy. Yeah. If you have a mixed herd with any horses with smaller feet, like minis that live with your horses, I have known people who've had challenges with that. Make sure that the holes in the feeder, in the ball, are smaller than the horse's limbs. (laughs) Right. And I think they do make slightly different size options for those kinds of things. So it's worth a good point there too. Yeah. So do you have another nutrition related one? Not really. I don't think so. Maybe one will come to me, but no, not off the top of my head. What do you have next on your list? All right. So my next one, it's another, a horsewoman who created a product that solved a problem that we all had. And that is the ultimate hoof pick. Once you have no. used one, you will never want to use any I, other hoof picks again. I do not know this. Yeah. So the story behind it is that the woman who invented it was looking for a better hoof pick because she was short on time and cleaning out horses' feet. And so she asked her farrier and her farrier said, oh, well, farriers don't buy hoof picks. We make our own. They forge their own (laughs) because they're, and that's true. That's what farriers do. They all have their own handmade, hand-forged hoof picks that are really sharp and have good leverage. And so she then created this ultimate hoof pick and it's the angle of it and the leverage that it gives you. It's so much better than any other hoof pick that you might have. I have several of them. I was actually thinking when I added this to my list that that's not actually what I took to the barn because I get worried about it walking away on accident. <laughs> not like, but I'm like, hi, I should just put a name tag on it so that it always returns to my tack trunk at the barn while I'm there for the winter. So Ultimate Hoof Pick, you can usually find them at your feed store. They also have a website, ultimatehoofpick.com. I promise it will change your life when it comes to... And I will have to- we'll be able to get in the grooves and really remove stuff nice. that's causing problems for your horse. As we're heading into mud season, that could be really useful. Yeah. Snow too, right? Snow yeah. for people, yeah. that could be really helpful. Yes. So yeah, I'll have to look that one up. 
I have a couple of things that I like. Um, I did not realize I somehow ended up down a rabbit hole. I think it was thanks to my Facebook feed promoting things to me. And I was like, what is this? I'm going to go investigate it. And it sort of blew my mind a little bit. I had not really been aware of central sulcus brush. And if you don't know what that is, I encourage you to go do a bit of Googling and find out what it is. I don't think of my horses having thrush. I live in the desert. But sure enough, lo and behold, I find that we did indeed have a little bit of central sulcus thrush or some people. Um, so I listened to a podcast on that. Actually, it was a webinar. And somebody in there mentioned these two products. And so I decided to try them and they work brilliantly. So one is something called Hoof Stuff. And it's made by a company called Red Horse Products. And they're actually a British company, but they do ship to the US. It's redhorseproducts.com is the company website. And the Hoof Stuff is like gauze. It's obviously got a lot of zinc oxide and I think it's got some honey in there and some other things too. And you pull it, it's like floss basically. And you like pull out a little tiny piece and less is kind of more. And I hold one end of the strand on the bowl of the heel with my thumb. And then I kind of lay it down the groove in the middle of the frog. And I take my hoof pick and I poke it into the central sulcus, which is that groove in the middle of the frog. And it kind of just packs in there and stays in there. And so what central sulcus thrush causes is a really, really deep groove in the middle of the frog. And it's really quite tight and it doesn't look like much, but actually when you put a hoof pick in it, you can often get the entire hoof pick in there. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it, the split often goes right up into the bulbs of the heel. So then you have instability in the bulbs of the heel because that crack should not go up to the hairline in the bulbs of the heel. And sure enough, it did. And I didn't realize. And so I started using this stuff, which kind of adds a little bit of moisture, but it also has all these antibacterial qualities. The nice thing about it is it doesn't have anything caustic. And so many of the products out there for thrush have like copper sulfate and things in them that actually kill off tissue. And the last thing you want to do, I've learned, and I guess it's your area, you know, you love barefoot stuff and hoof trimming, yeah. but so I, I might be like, tell I'm me if so I'm wrong. Glad, I am so glad to have someone telling me this. Like, I'm so glad that this is like seeped out of the barefoot people. And I trim my own horses. I keep my dressage horse who is a young working on FEI stuff horse, um, barefoot. I'm an oddball, but I'm so glad that this stuff is making it mainstream because it yeah, makes such a difference for the it horse. It really health. does. Anyway, so this stuff really helped open his heel up and open up his frog. And then I followed it up with their what they call arty mud, mm-hmm. which is like a clay and I pack then that groove as it gets too big, like the floss won't stay in anymore. So once you get to the point where the floss doesn't stay in anymore, you pack it with their mud. And I put that in there. I also put it down either side of the frog. And again, that goes a long way. And that really stays in really well. Like I'll pick out the feet and I'll see it's still in there and I'll leave it in there. I won't pick it out. So like once a week, I'll put that in, especially in our, when it's super dry here and the hooves start to kind of shrivel up and get really narrow in the heel. So those two things I love. And they last a long time. I mean, the hoof stuff, I'm still on the average. You get it and you think, this is tiny. This is never going to last. It's a tiny container. And 12 months later, I still have the same container. And the mud is really nice for maybe your retired horses that aren't going to get their feet picked out every day yes. or broodmares that maybe don't get all the love and attention that they need for their feet. Really great way to help manage. I do it before I go on vacation. Like I'll pack his feet with the clay. If I'm out of town for work for three or four days, the day before I leave, I pack his feet with clay and then I don't worry about it while I'm gone. You mentioned honey being in the one yeah. product. That might sound odd to people if they don't know why you might want to use honey for an antimicrobial product. Do you want to touch on that? 
Yeah, honey has antimicrobial properties and there's a lot of people that love things like manuka honey, right, for proud flesh and cuts and those sorts of things. So it has a really good antibacterial quality to it. So yeah, that's why the honey is in there. Yeah, and managing that central sulcus brush will help make the horse more comfortable on the back of their foot, which means that they use the foot correctly, which means that you are helping to avoid problems down the road that could be more chronic lameness. So For sure. Off, helps yeah. to have that heel first landing, right? Want to land yep. on their heels, yep. which they should do. Yeah. Yeah. And once you start poking around in there and understand this, like they're very, very sore in there. As I said, it, it blew my mind. I was like, how did I not know about this? I've had horses for 40 I know, years. I know, and I, I, know, I, know. I know. That's the way I felt too. When I fell down this rabbit hole. <laughs> That's a rabbit hole. I think everyone should hold a rasp. Every horse owner should learn how to hold a rasp and use it on their feet. That's going to be a great segue into my next product. <laughs> <laughs> Which is? The Red Tang Rasp by Heller. It's probably not a rasp for someone who is new to rasping. It's fairly aggressive, but I had read about it online. People saying this is amazing, especially for we have the desert summers. The feet get so hard and like to trim in the summer is very challenging. And I have small hands and I just, you know, getting that rasp just right can be difficult. And this one, just like be very careful because you could like take off quite a bit. But the red tang, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you might need gloves. I know my farrier's rasps are shop. So if this is as good as you're saying it is, yeah. I'm thinking gloves yes. might be a good idea. Yes. No, absolutely wear gloves if you're picking up a rasp like this. And if you're falling down this rabbit hole, find a mentor to show you how to use the tools and learn how to do some trimming on your horses or at least rasp them for maintenance. It's really, you can learn a lot about your horse and your mm. horse's health by working on their feet. So that is the, the Red Tang by Heller Rasp. Very nice. Well, that's totally a great, fun. talking of segues, mentors, my next favorite thing yeah. is kind of a mentoring type thing. As I've sort of gotten more interested in biomechanics and how horses' bodies move and how they're supposed to move and all that good thing, I came across Jillian Kreinbring, who is a functional anatomist. She has a master's degree in, she worked with Hillary Clayton. Who did a bunch of research on horse biomechanics at Michigan yes. State, I believe, for those who don't. Yeah, know for sure. And Jillian has a sort of specialty in adult education as well. So she's just a brilliant educator. And as I said, functional anatomy is kind of her thing. There's a lot of awesome webinars out there that are available for free. So if you don't know who I'm talking about and you're curious to see what she's about, go check them out. But she has a series of courses and most of them are in person. And if you get to do an in-person one, I haven't had the pleasure myself, but I would highly recommend it. I did her functional anatomy course online and it was brilliant. And she goes through the entire skeleton of the horse and explains how it's supposed to function and talking about how horses move and how they're supposed to move and how the little hyoid bone in the horse's tongue, how that ties into how your horse uses his lumbar spine. I mean, it's like stuff that you're just like, how do we not know this? Like, I mean, if you're working your horse and especially if you're riding your horse, doesn't matter what discipline this course is really, I think there's actually a testimonial on her website, which is something like, if you own a horse, you should take this class. It's just to understand how we should be working horses' bodies for their wellness and well-being and longevity to avoid structurally related unsoundnesses. It's a brilliant, brilliant course and it is available online. And so it'd be a great 
Christmas gift to get somebody to give you because it's really very good. And it's self-paced. You can kind of do it at your own speed. And it's very accessible. You do not need to be a scientist or a nerdy person to get something out of it. I have a follow-up to that one. Yeah. A good segue that I didn't mention earlier, but now that you have mentioned that course, I know that you've written or at least watched Britta Peterson's clinics. Yes. I always put her on my list too. Oh no. <laughs> and then and then I yeah, that would have been a shame if we had both left her off. So I'm adding Britta's bands to the list. My uh, daughter rides in Britta's bands. Yeah. So Britta Peterson is and this is where we do fall into our little bit of our dressage theme here, but Britta mostly works with dressage riders, but I works with other riders as well. She's a physical therapist and she's created these bands that help correct your position and posture and strengthen different muscle groups and create feedback so that you have a better position when you're riding. I know, Claire, maybe you can explain it better than I can. Yeah, I think it really is that cross body. So they go from your right shoulder. It's like a big elastic band, right? And so you have one that goes from your left foot under the arch of your left foot across your body to your right shoulder and a second band that goes from your left shoulder down underneath the arch of your right foot. And so Think about babies when they crawl. It's a cross body, right? They move their right hand and their left knee if they're cross body crawling. When we walk, we swing our left foot and we swing our right arm at the same time. So we have a lot of this cross body functionality. And so she's really tapping into that and creating structural alignment and awareness through that kind of cross body awareness. And so it really, yeah, it gives you a very, I haven't written in them. I think you have, obviously. And it's a pretty interesting experience isn't it from I mean, my, my daughter has a set she got actually for Christmas last year and she says it's quite a workout to work in them yeah no it's definitely a workout and it's really super super helpful and I definitely recommend if anyone has a chance to ride with Britta definitely do that too because that pairing of her knowledge as a physical therapist then with her product really just marries right. really well and we all you know after a clinic with her then we're all in the bands and then we go oh this is hard and then, <laughs> and then then she's scheduled to come back it's like okay we're back to the band you know so. i think it's worth mentioning she herself has competed at fei level yeah. i think in eventing and dressage so yeah. she really can cross those english disciplines really well and i mean any rider would benefit from working yeah. in these it just creates that body awareness and she's excellent at coaching for the horse as well as the rider so she doesn't just get focused on one or the other she can help with both which is great really finding how position affects the horse is really important so with that in mind also the gen x pad so this is another product that was created by a horsewoman solving a problem and jen who creates these pads she hand makes them She's worked for other companies in the past, making a lot of the half pads that many of us have ridden in or ride on currently. But now she makes these, what you're getting is something that's been on her sewing machine. It's Jen with a J, Gen X, equine.com. So I was having back issues when I went for like five years where I was only trail riding. And then I transitioned over back to doing dressage work. And I'd worked so hard on my sitting trot before I went away from it. And it's really hard to get it back, especially when you're middle-aged. And so I found that the sitting work really hurt my lower back. So I went looking for something to help. My back hurting then affected my horse because she was a young horse and she was trying to learn how to use her back. And so I found the Gen X pads, talked to Jen, and the foam inside them is called XRD and it's a foam that is used in like soccer shin pads and football gear. It's very, very thin and extremely absorbent. 
and it made a world of difference. And I've been riding without it, and I actually have been experiencing more back pain. I've been riding a different horse, and it's not fitted to his saddle, so I haven't been using it. I'm missing it. So the Gen X, definitely worth checking out if you have back pain or your horse has back pain. I've ridden on a lot of different pads, and this one is a significant difference. So really Yeah, I've never ridden on her pads, but I met Jen probably about 10 years ago, and just a fascinating, brilliant woman. So yeah, the technology Gosh. behind her pads is, it's like NASA materials. Yeah, highly engineered, and she uses the foams not just for dressage or English saddles. She has endurance pads, Western pads. So whatever kind of riding you do, if you have back pain or your horse has back pain, I think the, this might be able to help you out a little bit. For sure. I'm realizing I did not share a website for Jillian Crimebring. You can oh. find Jillian at jilliancrimebringinspired.com. And I just did a quick search for Britta. And Britta's website is performancerefinery.com. And the link to her bands is through her website. Check those out. I have two quick ones, the tie blockers. If you don't want to hard tie your horse, which I don't do anymore, I never hard tie. All my horses are trained to tie. If I was a pinch and I had to tie them to a tree in the middle of the Badlands, I could do it. But for daily tying, I use the tie ring so that if anyone pulls back, they aren't hitting resistance. Your lead rope slithers through it and it's held firm. But if the horse really does pull back, the lead rope slides and the horse doesn't feel trapped. And what I find is when they don't feel trapped, they don't panic. So they'll pull back right. and then they never really learn to pull back because they never had that panic moment where then they hit it to the end of the lead rope and then they go harder. So so there's a blocker tie ring. Blocker yeah. tie. Oh, thank you for her. Yeah. Blocker tie rings. So. And then cowboy magic, untangle tails. Oh, yes. Can't live without it. Especially that serum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the serum's thick, really good. The stuff, thick serum. Yeah. Used to yeah. that in my daughter's hair when she didn't brush her hair often enough. Yeah. <laughs> it works really well on human hair too. <laughs> yeah. The Cowboy Magic Detangler. Yeah, that stuff is amazing. And actually, when talking about grooming, I have a couple of grooming things. Enviro Equine makes a shampoo and a conditioner. Well, in fact, they're a whole shampoo and conditioner. They have different types of shampoos and conditioners and they're all amazing. They smell amazing. They're all like natural ingredients. And the shine that it puts on a coat afterwards is phenomenal. And you'll probably look at it and go, oh, that's a lot for a half gallon of shampoo. I still have the same bottle of shampoo after 18 months because you literally put a quarter-sized blob at the bottom of a five-gallon bucket and fill it up and the whole bucket becomes a soapy bucket of water. And I can do the entire horse in a bucket of water. It's like that soapy. It's had somebody borrow it and like put it straight on the whole. I mean, it took us trying to get the soap off that horse. It was unbelievable because it was so soapy and they put it straight on the horse's mane and there was this like endless bubbles. It looked like those soap commercials, you know, with like bubbles going out the door kind of thing. But yeah, a little goes a very long way. So it's a great investment. Super shampoo and conditioner. As I said, smells amazing. And then when you can't shampoo because it's too cold outside or you just like grooming anyway, which I'm kind of, I love grooming. Haas brushes, which is spelled H-A-A-S. And people might have heard of them. The company has like different types of brushes for different colored horses. And I don't know if that's really, people swear by it, right? So they have the chestnut brushes and the bay brushes and the black brush. I mean, I've never heard of these. Oh. I've not seen these. (gasps) You need to check them out. Now, people in the grooming forums on social media are really into all the different colored brushes. I did get a lot of the chestnut brushes just to see. I I have a couple that I really like. 
their diva brush is an amazing finishing brush. So it's lamb's wool in the middle with a line of brush bristles around the outside. So it's like a polishing brush. So like when we show, like we do everything and then we just go over that and it's like a combination of a brush and a rag at the same time and it just totally gets all the dust off them and they're really shiny. And then their shimmel, especially if you have horses that kind of roll in the dirt and what have you, the shimmel is really good at getting dry mud, dirt, stains out of them. You just kind of work the shimmel brush back and forth on the coat. It really gets all those marks out and all the dirt out. So those two particular brushes are excellent, but all their brushes are nice and they feel really good in your hand, like leather straps and nice bristles. And yeah, I'll have to take a look at them and then I might have to hide them in a bag with my ultimate hoof pick. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you will. (laughs) So did you have another one? I only have one left. I think I have one left also. I have a leather balm that I love. And it's from a little company. It'd be right up your alley because it's a little family-owned company in Colorado. And they're called the Colorado Natural Balm Company. And I think that's actually their website. I think if you just Googled Colorado Natural Balms, they'll come up. It's a little tin and it's a leather balm. And I think it has like three ingredients in it. It has like tallow. It's got like an essential oil in it and something else. It makes so much sense to me because you're putting like animal fat back into leather, right? So it's like what you should put on leather. Here, it's so dry. It really conditions the leather really well. A little bit goes a really long way. And it keeps my tack really supple, even in our very dry, dusty environment. And I've not found anything else yet here that really works that way without being goopy. Like so many of the conditioners make your tack like sticky. Yeah. And then all the dust sticks to it. Yeah. And this doesn't do that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out because I, you live in the hot desert. I live in the high desert and it's, right. it's cold here, but it's still the desert. We have the same thing. Really dry leather. At least we never have to worry about mildew because that doesn't happen. True. But it's super dry, super dusty. And that's like, it's very hard being a dressage queen in uh, central <laughs> Oregon. I've had some bad luck with conditioners. I think they don't make things the way they used to, but I actually had some billets on a saddle delaminate mm. and my saddle fitter told me it was because of like the alcohol content ingredients in the conditioners actually breaking down the glue that laminates the often billets are made out of two pieces of leather stuck together and they're often not sewn they're just compressed glued together and they just came apart I mean I've never had that in my entire life and I've always used the same conditioners and she said it's partly that the leather companies saddle companies and things are not doing things the way they used to and as well I'm really after that very cautious about what I put on my billets in particular And this stuff has so few ingredients in it, it kind of, I feel okay with it. Yeah, well, and being careful what you put on your saddle and maintaining your saddle is very important for this next reason. (laughs) And my last product that I'm going to bring up, which is my saddle, I wasn't going to include this, but Claire encouraged me to share my... (laughs) Don't be afraid of being. (laughs) It's a a splurge one, but I have the AVR saddle. It's a sister company of custom saddlery. If you're not a dressage person, it won't matter to you. You can skip this part. But they do make jump saddles, though. They do. They make jump saddles. I haven't ridden in one of the jump saddles, but having been in the dressage saddle, I would definitely try the jump saddle that they make if I had that opportunity. But this is one of those situations. The only thing worse than saddle shopping for me is bathing suit shopping. Like that's the, the amount of pain involved in it. 
but I have a friend of mine's a saddle fitter and they had just come out with the AVRs and she was like, Hey, just try this one out just because she wanted feedback because it was right. a model. And I got in and I was like, mm -hmm. you know, she told me the price point. I'm like, nope, don't like it. And <laughs> so went through some fitting and saddle issues and all that stuff. Finally came back to it reluctantly and threw my leg over my horse and one stride into the walk. I knew it was a complete game changer for her. So, oh, it's, it's a good saddle. You, you can't beat a good saddle. I don't think about it as what discipline you're in. No. It's such a personal thing and it makes such a difference to be in a saddle that fits you well, fits your horse well. I don't know, it doesn't matter what discipline you do. Yeah. And this saddle, how it's different is it doesn't have traditional points on it. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean it's treeless. It has a tree. It just doesn't have the points. And so on a big shouldered mare like mine, who's very sensitive about life, it made just a world of difference to her. She felt like a cat coming off of the mounting block, how she moved her shoulders in it. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sit tight. Uh -oh. Uh oh, but it's super, super lightweight, super comfortable. And for what we ask of our horses, I think that having a saddle that fits is super important. And so that is one that I definitely recommend. My horse recommends it for sure. You can find these saddles. I mean, they've been out long enough now. I've seen them used because I'm actually saddle shopping right now for my daughter because saddle fits the pony wonderfully, but her thigh is outgrown the saddle and we need a different block. And so I've been saddle shopping. And I've definitely seen the AVRs out there used and at a price point that makes them competitive when they're used. And there are a lot of good used consignment tax stores, more so on the East Coast, I've found, than the West Coast, where you can get saddles and try them, fit them, and then send them back if they don't work. So yes, yeah. you're out 75, 100 bucks maybe for the shipping. But, you know, you're not committing $2,000 to a used saddle or whatever that doesn't end up working. So definitely worth just Googling used saddle consigners or whatever. And you'll have a bunch will come up on there that you can work yeah. with. And for mine at the time, they hadn't been out long enough that there were ones on consignment. So I did get a new one, but I just didn't do all the extras. So I have a very plain ABR yeah. <laughs> so, without the extra patent and all those things. But I do love that saddle. It's very hard for me now even for myself to ride in other saddles. I'm like, meh. So, and my horse, for sure. She put one of my old saddles on her. She protests. This is it. She's a princess. Well, it's we definitely do. a good wish list item. It's worth it. Yep. It's become a favorite thing. Yeah. You'd have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. So <laughs> <laughs> You'll ward people off with your hoof pick who want <laughs> right. to take it away. <laughs> and my very, very sharp rasp. <laughs> so <laughs> that's quite an image. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and when you consider the amount of money I save trimming and keeping my horses barefoot over, uh, if you take fury costs and apply them to a saddle, you can buy a couple saddles. So, yeah, I love how we justify our expenses. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell my husband. So, I love it. Well, I think that's it. I don't have anything else on my list. I could go on for a couple, but we'll stop I'm, right there. I know. We need to cut it now. So, but thank you, Claire, for those ideas. I have a couple of things that I want to try. I hope that our listeners have heard about some things that maybe they want to check out and support some local, well, not local, but U.S.-based family-owned companies who are manufacturing and making products that are really serving challenges that we have with our horses and making our lives a little easier. So check them out. Yeah, and make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and share with your friends. And if you have a favorite thing that you would like to share with us, you can get us at info at scoopandscale.com. 
and is spelled out. So that's info at scoop and scale all spelled out, except for that at sign. You can also find Claire at clarityquine.com. For the Scoop and Scale podcast, I'm Michelle Anderson. And I'm Dr. Claire Tunis. Thanks for riding along with us. 